Hi there, my name is Pete. This is Social Distance. Uh, thank you for listening. So this is the Friday show, following on from last night's two town halls. Biden on ABC for an hour and a half. Trump on NBC, MSNBC and CNBC. Three um, stations for, uh, for an hour. And figures are in. Biden won... Uh, getting 13.9 million viewers and even when you toss up the three channels that Trump uh, was on it only comes to 13 million viewers so a clear victory for Biden and that will really get under Trump's skin Trump insisted knowing that Biden had the ABC town hall in the diary Trump insisted on going head-to-head with him, thinking that they would, you know, he would win. But he didn't fucking win. So that tells you something. Um, I was watching both, uh, you know, kind of like here or there. Picked up the... I I watched more um, of Biden, quite a lot more of Biden. But I haven't gone back and kind of, you know, filled in the blanks, as it were. I mean, you know, you get a very good impression of both of them, and they were both quite different. I watched the first 20 minutes of the Trump one because Susanna, Susanna Guthrie was fantastic doing what we, at last, like at last, it's definitely worth catching the first 20 min, minutes of Trump's. Um, she pinned down, you know, what is going on with you, basically. And I'll play a bit of that in a minute. But she asked him about a whole series of, you know, recent events. When was your last test before the first debate? Um, you know, a couple of things that we just kind of needed to know about, you know. And um, she was really good, not taking any shit from him, and he was, like, all over the place. And then it was a bit kind of samey, but he's still, you know, just trumped, you know what I mean? And then the other side on ABC was... It was beautiful. It was, you know, actually about policy. It was very calm, and it was very... uh, I don't know, like just kind of thoughtful and, you know, dare I say intellectual from Biden, who was talking about, you know, why he wants to do the things he wants to do. And a lot of it was to do with his plan for the next four years. So it was really good. And there's no question about it that Biden, you know, came across in all the reviews and certainly my own personal perception is that he came across much better, much more presidential, much more relaxed and uh, focused and you know relaxing and interesting to watch rather than this other person who's just constantly like a fucking salesman you know what I mean even when he's not batshit crazy and he wasn't really like that yes uh, yesterday um, but he's still obviously just this obnoxious prick do you know what I mean Trump like you would not really want to listen to him having said that here he is it's uh wasn't feeling great and the next day I wake up and I'm saying like uh, who can I fight today and that's actually from um, from today from a minute ago actually he's doing a speech in uh, Florida because he's really worried about Florida and he's really trying to get the seniors back you know the seniors I was talking about this the other day Um, they're fucking leaving him. So he's really trying to... He's naming... It's basically a kind of, you know, 
rally for all intents and purposes with all of his fucking zombies, you know, in attendance. But he's naming it Protecting Seniors. <laughs> and there he is talking about the, the, the medicine that he's on, you know, the drugs that he's on to combat COVID-19. Um, yeah, I wasn't feeling great, but then he woke up the next day and asked, who can I fight today? <laughs> now, interestingly about the old uh, Vemdesivir that he's on, I read that it's got a half-life of 21 days or something like that, which I think, or maybe not 21 days, but I think it's the 21st of October, um, which I think is Monday, isn't it? Yeah, is that right? Um, it's the half-life date for this remdesivir. I don't really know what that means. And is it true that with a half-life, that half of the... If a chemical has a half-life, this is a question to you. If a chemical has a half-life, like, you know, it could be like two weeks until it gets to its half-life, but is it true that the rest, the, the other half-life, like the other half of the half-life, is thousands of years? <laughs> <laughs> is that right? I think that might be right, although it sounds like, you know, wacko, wacko. I think that might be right, that the half-life can be whatever, like, you know, a few years or whatever, a few months or a few weeks. But then the other half of the half-life is millennia. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to affect Trump's health. Susanna Guthrie talked to Trump about this conspiracy theory group or network called QAnon. And QAnon has been described by the FBI as a domestic terror threat or classified as a domestic terror threat. And a um, FBI memo warned that fringe conspiracy theories, theories very likely motivate some domestic extremists uh, extremists, wholly or in part, to commit criminal and sometimes violent activity. So QAnon have got a wide range of fucking, you know, batshit mad uh, theories, conspiracy theories. Uh, the main one being uh, something to do with child sex trafficking involving. Um, uh, politicians and Hollywood superstars and uh, you know so it's pretty every other president obviously I mean it's uh, ridiculous the whole fucking thing is a joke you know but these people support Trump and they these people think that Trump is um, you know the kind of fucking saviour so obviously no matter how insane their ideas are and no matter how mendacious and you know dangerous their uh, kind of motivations are uh, if you like Trump then you're never going to be criticized by Trump and they you know go to the go to his um, rallies and they're quite you know kind of vocal about it you know what I mean so anyway Susanna Guthrie said okay so what about this conspiracy theory this tweet which is one of their fucking theories is that old um, Osama bin Laden is alive, 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 ho, and uh, they they killed a body double, 
in the raid in whenever it was that well, like years ago when was that 2012 or I can't even remember what it was 2013 I can't remember but um so all that time ago you know they uh, killed Osama bin Laden but they say no no Osama bin Laden is still out there and it was a body cut double that was killed but the SEAL Team 6 guy that died or people that died were essentially kind of like killed by fucking Barack Obama and Joe Biden because they were in charge of this, you know, the operation, the military operation to kill Bin Laden. But it was all for the cameras and Bin Laden's really alive. So, you know, this this group are doing this fringe, you know, fucking mad activity. The president of the United States retweeted this. It's extraordinary. So Susanna Guthrie asked him about this. And this is what he said. That was a retweet. That was a, an opinion of somebody. And that was a retweet. I'll put it out there. People can decide for themselves. I don't, themselves. That. I don't the take president. a position. You're not like someone's crazy uncle who no, can no, just retweet no, no. whatever. That was a retweet. And I do a lot of retweets. So there you go. <laughs> I do a lot of retweets. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. And then he was just asked, like, OK, will you just, you know, distance yourselves from these fuckers? Like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, do you know what I mean? It's so fucking straightforward, but obviously not for Trump. This theory that uh, Democrats are a satanic pedophile ring and that you are the savior of that. Now, can you just once and for all state that that is completely not true and disavow QAnon in its entirety? I know nothing about QAnon. I just told you. I know very little. You told me, but what you tell me doesn't necessarily make it fact. I hate to say that. I know nothing about it. What I do hear about it is they are very strongly against pedophilia, and I agree with that. I mean, I do agree with that, and I agree with it. But there's not a satanic uh, pedophile. I have no idea. I know nothing about it. I love the way he says pedophilia <laughs> and she's literally shouting you don't know that come on anyway yeah it's ridiculous and she then also asked him about you know when did you get tested did you get tested on the Tuesday of the debate with Biden and he say probably <laughs> so yeah what does this mean is it a game changer obviously not He's probably done himself a little less harm. Um, obviously, you know, more harm than good. But I don't think he, uh, you know, he, he, he wasn't as uh, outrageous as uh, the first debate. And it's all kind of, you know, partly baked in, I think, now. Like, he might drop a little bit more, but he's dropped a lot. I mean, he really has dropped a lot. He definitely didn't do anything to... Uh, gain support you know the tiny amount of people that are undecided in this election that is not what they're looking for you know that is clearly not what they're looking for Um, if anything they're looking for somebody that is the opposite of that somebody that is calm somebody that is intellectual somebody that can actually talk about policy and talk about the uh, the roots of his you know the decisions that he has made up until now and the plans that he has in the future. And that is, like, it was really, like, you know, extremely different uh, debates. The format was exactly the same, but the content and the, the kind of atmosphere, you know? Obviously, Susanna Guthrie was, like, giving it to him in that interview. Um, but also there was that kind of, you know, 
just slightly kind of high-edged sense that um, Trump has about him at all times. Whereas Joe was on it, like, you know, he was articulate and whatever, like alert, you know, but also he was relaxed. Reminded me of, I don't know, like Robert Mitchum or someone, you know, like a kind of, um, I don't know, somebody that's just comfortable in their own skin. And interestingly enough, and this got picked up on ABC, so a good proportion of 13.9 million would have seen this. Uh, he spoke to the audience afterwards because the, uh, you know, they kind of packed the, it was very socially distanced, there was hardly anyone there. But of the 20 or so people that um, had questions in their hands, they only got through 10, say, you know. So for half an hour, he spoke to the other 10. He asked them to, you know, read out their questions and he answered their questions, which is really nice. Obviously, there's no need to do that. And of course, he probably knows, you know, politically it looks good if this is caught on camera. But, But it was caught on camera. But it does, but it's also nice, you know what I mean? Like he could have just fucked off and, you know, gone back to his dressing room and not given anyone the time of day, you know? But um, so the optics looked really good and it definitely looked good compared to Trump, who wasn't at 11 like he was last time. But, you know, even, even seven or eight with Trump is too much, clearly too much for most people. Andy Burnham was brilliant yesterday talking about the difficulty of negotiating with Sausage Johnson's government. Uh, Basically, the um, Tory government want to put Manchester in Tier 3, which basically means that, you know, certain restrictions on shops and um, bars and all that kind of thing. Uh, having said that, though, they're not stumping up the cash. And there is a big row now between the city authorities, led by Andy Burnham, the mayor of Greater Manchester, and uh, and the government. And Burnham's not backing down. And um, so this is a little insight into the kind of language that he was using in his press conference yesterday. We have unanimously opposed the government's plans for Tier 3. They are flawed and unfair. While this is not necessarily Greater Manchester's view, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer also told us last night that the only certain thing to work is a national lockdown. But the government told us this morning it is unwilling to do that because of the damage it will do to the national economy. And yet, that is what they want to impose on the Northwest. So that was our conclusion from the number 10 meeting this morning. They are willing to sacrifice jobs and businesses here to try and save them elsewhere. Greater Manchester, the Liverpool city region and Lancashire are being set up as the canaries in the coal mine for an experimental regional lockdown strategy as an attempt to prevent the expense of what is truly needed. This is an important moment. 
Greater Manchester will stand firm. We are fighting back for fairness and for the health of our people in the broadest sense. So there we go. Well done, old Andy Burnham. And we'll see what will happen. Obviously, they expect more uh, negotiations uh, over the weekend. But I I expect that probably by Monday, um, Number 10 will just impose it. You know, Sausage Johnson's um, government will just impose it on Greater Manchester. And... um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's disgusting. They've spent a lot of money. There's no doubt about it. They've spent a lot of money. They've spent billions and billions and billions so far. But unfortunately, you can't have tens of thousands of people just losing their jobs. Obviously, that's going to, like, you know, it's going to cost a lot more money in the in the midterm and the long term if you allow that to happen. So stump up the fucking cash, Rishi Sunak. Um, yeah, but now it's interesting. Boris Johnson basically did a uh, government uh, a, a number ten briefing tonight. No one really expected it, and it was all to do with piling pressure on Andy Burnham. You know, there was nothing was announced. There was nothing at all in terms of, you know, nothing was announced. It was all just, um, you know, we hope to uh, work very well with the um, mayors and we've worked well with the uh, mayor of Tickletown, for instance. He's brilliant. Mayor of Tickletown. He brought right up Sausage's spine. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but um, Burnham's not working with us, so hopefully Burnham will see the light. But I don't think Burnham's that kind of character, you know. I mean, you can't have, like, obviously, if you're the fucking mayor, and obviously as well, the people of Manchester are loving it, you know what I mean? They're like like he said, he's making this a thing, you know. It's, a, it's an important moment for the politics of the North. You know, so of course he's not going to buckle. And if it's imposed on him, the problem with that then is that, um, as another council leader said during that uh, press conference yesterday... You've then got the problem of compliance, and you're not going to get the fucking R value down if people aren't compliance, aren't complying. But that's the reason why it's gone up. You know, there's no trust in fucking sausage, you know, because of Cummings. So if they just say, "Oh yeah, fuck them," you know, shut this, shut that, fuck them, fuck them, fuck them, fuck them, then you know, people are in on mass are going to say fuck it and. As I was saying a couple of weeks ago, there's too many people saying fuck it at the moment. And if it is imposed on Manchester, then um, the people of Manchester, rightly so, will probably be feeling like the people of Liverpool, where it was imposed in Liverpool at the beginning of the week, older tier three. And um, so this is uh, Dan Cardam, who's a MP up in Liverpool, giving voice to people's frustrations. Thank you, Mr Deputy Speaker. It is very difficult to convey the real strength of feeling across Liverpool at the utter failure of this government, from care homes to PPE to test and trace. And constituent after constituent has come to my office with heartbreaking stories 
one being sent to South Wales on a 70-mile journey, two and a half hours in the car with an autistic child, only to find that that test and trace centre had closed for the day because it had run out of tests, costing them £40 in petrol. They simply didn't have. The anger and frustration isn't just that the response is failing, but that it's failing because the government refused to enable and invest in local authorities and public health teams, and instead chose to pump billions into scandal-ridden government contractors that have a record of failure. Under the cover of this pandemic, billions of public money handed to faceless corporations, including Tory-linked firms, without competition or transparency, without democratic accountability, or any accountability, for that matter, to the public. And it's money that should have been invested in our National Health Service. It should have left a legacy for the British people by building up properly funded public services that we can all rely on in the future. But instead, it was siphoned off. The most egregious example being the eye-watering 12 billion of public money handed to private companies, including Serco, for this failing test and trace system. Conservative Baroness and business executive Baroness Harding appointed as the head of Track and Trace. Serco's CEO, the brother of a former Tory MP, and Tory MPs on the boards of companies winning contracts. And if you've got a problem with any of this, well, why not take it up with the government's anti-corruption champion, Dido Harding's husband and a Tory MP. The whole thing stinks. This government's incompetence, its cronyism, its ideological obsession with outsourcing and rip-off privatisation has undermined our NHS and put lives at risk. Brilliantly said, Dan Cardam. Absolutely brilliant, yeah. 12 billion. 12 billion for test and trace. What the fuck? Unbelievable. I mean, that the incompetence of that system has cost lives. There is no question about that. No question about that. And still, they're fucking around, not getting the circuit break, you know, every day. We know this. We know. We know the thousands of people, the tens of thousands of people that uh, could have been alive and aren't because we went into the first lockdown um, too late, right? We fucking know it. Obviously, the cases are, you know, the virus is ripping through communities, left, right and centre. R is up everywhere. Cases are up everywhere. Hospital admissions are up everywhere. Deaths are up everywhere. In the southwest, hospital admissions and deaths are up everywhere. Did you get the fucking thing about everywhere? So, you know, it's just a matter of time before it gets to the point where you think, well, fucking... Now we need to do four weeks of a circuit break, like they're doing in Northern Ireland. They they were advised six, but Arlene Foster went for four. Now four, you feel like, okay, a fucking month. You know, two weeks with the kids not in school, and then a further two weeks, you think, okay, you, you're probably going to get a bit of an impact then, you know? But that starts on... When does it start? It starts tonight in Northern Ireland, Yeah. We're still fucking waiting for it, twiddling our fucking thumbs in England. It's unbelievable. And why does it have to be national? It has to be national because it's going up everywhere. Like I've just said, you got the bit, didn't you, about it going up everywhere? So 
um, 12 billion pounds of taxpayers' money has been wasted just, you know, enabling their friends to, you know, buy fucking yachts. Like, their mates are on Serco. It's all, as he puts it very succinctly, the whole thing stinks. So we need a circuit break. We need a circuit break now. We need masks in schools now. Thank God uh, Independent Sage is now calling for masks in schools, which is really good. Uh, Independent Sage is saying that they need, you need a circuit break for three weeks and then you need to spend six weeks getting your act together with Test and Trace, getting your act together in actually supporting people so they can isolate and not have the choice of, you know, do I go to work or do I do the right thing and self-isolate. And you, we've spoken many times about why, you know, doing the right thing for many people obviously is going to work. Do you know what I mean? Because if you're not, you're not getting any fucking money by staying at home, they're saying that you need £800 for the people that are going to lose out on money if they have to take time off work to self-isolate. There's so much to be done. So much to be done. And what is Boris Johnson doing? He's wasting everybody's time calling for, you know, okay, we're back on the air now. We're doing the public briefing now. Oh, fucking hell, look, there's a briefing tonight. What is it? And he's just having a go at Andy Burnham. Unbelievable. We are wasting time and it is costing lives. It's disgusting. We'll see where we are. You know, I do feel like it's going to happen. Um, I mean, it has to happen, basically, because of the nature of the disease, you know? The nature of the virus means that it will happen. Fucking balance is like, you know, oh, it can happen if you go to the upper limits of tier three. Fuck off, for Christ's sake. We know that's not going to work. We know that tier three doesn't work. That's the whole problem with um, Greater Manchester. Tier th- they've been in tier two for 10 weeks, for God's sake. You know, clear, closing a couple more places but mean, meaning that tens of thousands of people lose their jobs. But it has, you know, it's not going to have the effect that is needed in Manchester. It's not going to have the effect that's needed in Liverpool. And the uh, deputy um, chief medical officer are telling them this, you know. The old Jonathan Van Tam is saying, yeah, I mean, it probably won't work. You know, the government wants to do it, but it's probably not going to work. The only thing that will work is a national lockdown, a circuit break, of a couple of weeks, and that will buy us a little bit of time. But Independent Sage are saying, well, you, we can't have this thing that Sage are advising, whereby you have like a series of, you know, circuit breaks. So, you know, you have a space of three weeks and it goes down a bit and then it rises again. Then you have another, you know, three week gap and then it goes down a bit and then you, you know, up and down, up and down like a fucking yo-yo. They come back to the first principles. The way you get out of infections like this without a vaccine is test, trace, isolate and support. And we're not doing that. We are not doing that. And with a circuit break in mind, that gives us a little bit of room to reconfigure test and trace, which as Dan Carden has brilliantly said, is basically a massive fucking con job, just a huge siphoning off of billions and billions of pounds into the pockets of their friends and into the pockets of their fellow Tory MPs, yeah? That's all it is. And as an adjunct to that, you know, fucking mass fraud, 
um, you've got basically a system that is utterly inadequate and, you know, costing lives, you know. So instead of that, you know, maybe something a bit better, like, okay, let's give it to the local people that actually know how to fucking do it, like we've been talking about for fucking months now, you know, and Independent Sage has been doing saying it for months. It's not going to happen, but this is, but there is a plan, like there is a clear, obvious way out of this problem, a clear, obvious way out of this problem. Early voting is going really well. Uh, over 22 and a half million people have voted in the United States already, which is absolutely extraordinary and enthusiasm um, that is rare, certainly an unprecedented amount of um, early votes. This time in 2016, it was 6 million. So there's a bit of a difference between 6 million and 22 and a half million. And, um, you know, so we have got to forget about um, November the 3rd being election day. Obviously, it is election day, but every single day up until November the 3rd is election day as well in many states, not in all, but in quite a lot of them. And, um, you know, vote early, as as they say, and um, good luck. Good luck. And also, did you hear about the robot dolphin? Absolutely incredible. Look it up. YouTube robot dolphin. $3 million a pop. And it is $3 million. Oh, by the way, I need to make an apology. My chubby little fingers messed up on the bloody board. You know, it's this interactive fucking map. Um, you know, I clicked Alabama, for fuck's sake. So anyway, I think I've sorted it. Um, was it 315, is it? I can't fucking remember the number. But Florida goes to Biden. Arizona goes to Biden. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan go to Biden. But not Ohio and not Georgia. And uh, I think that brings us to, is it 315 or 319? I can't remember. Anyway, I, I um, jiggled about with the motherfucking title of, of Wednesday's show. So you should find it there. But that's that's the, the key prediction is that Biden gets Florida, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Michigan. And what was the other one I said? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Huge uh, victory on, in terms of not just the, um, you know, TV audience, but the uh, the money game as well. He got $383 million in September. And I think Trump got around about $260 million, something like that. 
So, you know, he got over $100 million more than Trump, which is extraordinary. It means that they can put adverts up basically wherever the hell they like, and they can push into places like Texas, and, you know, uh, we'll see where that goes. Anyway, it's looking good for for um, Biden. Now, did you hear about the person in a jetpack over... LAX, Los Angeles Airport. Did you hear about this? It happened a couple of days ago. And when I heard about it, I thought, why is he flying over a um, over a, an airport? Uh, if you want to avoid, you know, aircraft, don't go to a fucking airport. Like, you, you can literally fly. Why doesn't you just go to the, you know, desert? Or go, like, literally anywhere else. He was flying at 6,000 feet in a jetpack, <laughs> 6,000 feet, for Christ's sake. I mean, this is Iron Man shit. Uh, but why an airport? You'd, surely you'd think, you know, go somewhere where you can't be struck by a plane. Anyway, there's a robot dolphin, totally true. And jetpack at LAX, totally true. Take a look. And it's, in fact, the second time it's happened at uh, LAX. There was one about a month ago as well, another sighting. Probably the same dude. And um, right now, I'm going to call it a night. Let's think of a beautiful, what should we think of? Um, What about a lovely little daisy? Nice daisy, beautiful, very simple, you know, petal arrangement. Around the outside of the daisy. One, two, three. Walk between the raindrops. Looks like we've pulled off another week without getting the fucking thing. In this household, at least. And you take care of yourselves. And I'll see you later. Take care. Thanks for listening, by the way. Take care. Oh, and also, sorry, I'm still here. The uh, next episode, it's it's not a fucking omnibus. I only am calling an omnibus because we've done the songs. And it says omnibus in the songs. It's not an omnibus, right? So listen to the fucking omnibuses week after week after week. There's a big dip on Sundays. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I, I really do appreciate that you're listening. I'm only, you know, being, um, what's the word? Hilarious, I think that's the word. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye.